Welcome back to the In-Depth MMA Podcast. Uh, we've been doing this weekly podcast. I think this is episode 28. Uh, so you got you told me you got some topics for us today. So what are we going to be talking about today? Okay, so look, I've been around the MMA sphere, you know, just in these underground forums and all over the place. And a uh, big topic of conversation was about Frankie Edgar and what we saw happen to him. And what it pertains to is... We saw Frankie Edgar get devastatingly finished. I think he's 39 years old. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's an elder statesman. He's been fantastic. Great career. Very vast career. But now people, it seems like there's momentum going where they see, want these older guys to only get legacy fights at this point in their career. So not even against top contenders um, like Frankie Edgar got against uh, Corey Sanhagen. But there's a legacy fight that I'm seeing is building a lot of momentum online against... Edgar versus Dominic Cruz. People are interested in seeing that. Um, what are your thoughts on that, that fight itself, but also older guys that are past past their prime, they're higher up there in the age, only getting legacy fights, meaning fights that they didn't get earlier on in their career or things that would be good for them versus getting these killers and getting devastatingly killed in the process. Because, you know, when you're fighting the top guys, that's potentially could happen. Uh, as far as the specific of Frankie Edgar versus Dominic Cruz, yeah. sign me up. Yeah. Um, I don't even know. Dominic Cruz hasn't fought since Henry Cejudo, uh, but he's fighting at 259, I believe, against Kenny Casey Kenny or Kennedy or whatever his name is. Um, but if Dominic Cruz wins that fight, I'd love to see him against Frankie Edgar. I know that. I know that both guys are up there in age um i think it's an interesting matchup it would have been a lot more interesting maybe five years ago um you know dominic cruz seems like he's constantly suffering injuries i know he did step in on late notice to fight henry cejudo so i don't feel like you can get a really good gauge of him there but just with the chronic injury history from dominic cruz he may fight uh you know at ufc 259 and we may not see him for another year um but i'm interested in the fight but I'm not sure how I feel about guys who basically have basically what you're saying is older guys who have no title aspirations fighting each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm okay with it. I, I have no nothing really against it. But for me, and I know you, we've talked about this many of times, is I'm more interested in where they're going next. So, like, if there's really nothing, you know, like Frank Yeager, had he knocked out Corey Sanhagen like that, he'd potentially be fighting for the bantamweight championship next. So I don't know what a win for Dominic Cruz over Frank Yeager or a win for Frank Yeager over Dominic Cruz it would mean a bit more. But I'm not sure what it would do. How do you feel about this type of fight? Um, look, so I've come to this point uh, where I now I kind of understand that we're not going to stop these guys after they had a longer career from fighting. They're not going to stop. If they want to keep going, they're just going to keep going and they're going to go to a different um, organization. So, if you're a fan of these guys, sometimes you don't want to see them finish. You want to see them in competitive fights or whatnot. If you put them against other people their own age, it's there's still a chance for them to take a lot of damage. But you know, it's not it's it's worse when you're putting them against these killers. I don't know what the solution to the problem is. Personally, I'd rather these guys just be like, you know what, they're not gonna fight, and we just only see guys that are chasing the belt. But that's just not realistic. So I wouldn't mind seeing some of these guys in legacy fights. I just think that the comments and the situation that Frankie was in, it was going to be impossible. You know, he had he just had that um, 
which I thought he he um Munoz Munoz right he he won against him um Pedro Munoz yeah. yeah so he won but it was a yeah exactly decision. I thought he lost that fight but he had just that was a big win for him and then he was put to go test uh, another guy you know Corey Sanhagen so. You know, it's just a situation he was in. A legacy fight wasn't going to be fitting for for him. But after seeing him get KO'd like that, the age, all the damage he's taken over his career, you wouldn't see me complaining if the UFC decided to give him a legacy fight. And maybe not with Dominic Cruz, but with any one of those, um, you know, older guys that he could get a fight in if he wants to continue and keep making money. So I wouldn't mind seeing it. It wouldn't make me happy. But... These guys, they seem to just retire whenever they want, and that's their right. But it's kind of tough, man. It was tough to see Anderson Silva take that the slide he's taken. Um, seeing Frankie get finished in the manner that he did, you know, it was really tough. You know, BJ Penn, seeing all those losses that he racked up was just disgusting. So it's a tough situation. Ooh, BJ yeah. Penn, that's a terrible example. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, um... But, man, what a spectacular win by Corey Sanhagen. I think that's the real story coming out of this. Uh, we did a post-fight show on the card. Um, so if you guys haven't seen that, make sure to go check that out. Uh, but as far as Corey Sanhagen's next opponent, Sully, uh, we talked about it a little bit on the post-fight. But who do you want to see him matched up with next? Do you think he he sits out and waits for the winner of Aljamain Sterling versus uh, Peter Yan? Uh, because they're fighting in March, early March. So he could see, theoretically wait and fight them in the summertime. Or do you think the UFC should put together that TJ Dillashaw fight? Look, um, I want him to, I want him to sit out, you know, and because the way I look at it is that there's nothing that Sanhagen can do at this point that's going to be more spectacular than the last two wins that he, um, that he just had, you know. There's absolutely nothing that's going to be more spectacular than that. So if he really wants the title shot, which he's probably going to get, he can sit out. The timing kind of aligned for itself. If he decided to fight um, TJ Dillashaw, it would be his prerogative. I wouldn't blame him. I would watch the fight. But it's it's just still crazy that TJ Dillashaw, after the EPO and whatnot, that he's, his name is even involved in these big fights. Because for him, if he was to beat Sanhagen, then right after that, he's definitely getting a t- another title opportunity. So, um, so I don't know. It's just a tough situation. It's a tough choice because MMA moves so fast. That if you do sit out, you run the risk of somebody else having some spectacular performances or something funky happening, and then you don't get the fight anyway. You got to fight again. Yeah, me personally, I think uh, he deserves the title shot. But the selfish part of me really wants to see that TJ Dillashaw fight. Uh, I want to see Till. I want to see Dillashaw come in after sitting out for two years for being a flagrant cheater. I want to see him come in and fight an elite guy. And because I feel like TJ Dillashaw is one fight away from a title shot regardless, not because I want that, but just based on his name, the UFC, former champion. So if he's going to earn that title shot, I want to see him earn it over somebody that's worthy. You know what I mean? I don't want to see him come in and fight some, you know, down the rankings type guy, which I don't think will happen. So let's let's talk about that because I think, you know, context is very important. I don't think I added enough to it. I'm not saying TJ Dillashaw should fight somebody down at the bottom of the rankings. It's not what I'm saying, not what I'm suggesting. But the bare fact that he's going to come back and potentially fight the guy who's the next number one contender to challenge the belt after he was caught and just paid his price suspension for taking an injectable, which means he could not have possibly taken it by mistake, EPO, 
I have a problem with that. Also, the fact that we haven't seen him in so long in this thought process of he's supposed to be one win away from a, t- a title opportunity. Who knows what he looks like? Who knows what he looks like as he returns off of being caught from I... cheating? So it's like, to me, it's like, let's just pump the brakes on that. Let's get him a fight first with one of the top guys. But let's get him a fight first and let's see what he looks like and then determine his readiness to get a title opportunity. Let's not just do it from beforehand because... You know, it's a little muddy. He claims that's the first time he cheated. We have no information to say otherwise, but we haven't even seen him back yet, and who knows what he's going to come and look back as. So I, so I think you're operating under the assumption, and I agree with mm-hmm. you partially, that T.J. Dillashaw fighting Corey Sanhagen upon his return would be a reward to T.J. Dillashaw, correct? Um, Kind of? Well, for him and his situation, yes. Yes. Okay. See, I think... What you might be misunderstanding about my take mm-hmm. is, and I don't think I've kind of I haven't conveyed it enough. I look at it as look at it as punishment, <laughs> because to come in two years off the couch and have to fight a guy like Corey Sanhagen, I would. And I know we don't know what T.J. Dillashaw might look like. You know that's an X factor, but I I, I highly favor Corey Sanhagen. And you know after sitting out for two years, you're going to be at a disadvantage. Um, and for me, the reason I like it is because it's for me it's kind of a win-win because I feel like Dillashaw with the UFC, you know they're going to give him a title shot one way or another. You know, no matter who he fights, Rob Font, Jose Aldo, Cody. Oh, no, he's not going to fight Cody. Um, so at least make him go through a killer. You know what I mean to earn it if he's going to, but he may not. You know, he may come back and Corey Sanhagen may starch him. And uh, also, I think the office off also the selfish part of me. Just loves the stylistic matchup. If T.J. Dillashaw is, you know, remotely close to what he was, I love that kind of unorthodox style matchup of Corey Sanhagen. But I also feel bad because I feel like with these two spectacular stoppages by Sanhagen, I feel like he he does deserve a total shot. But that's also the question mark, right? And that's the reason why I don't want to see him in that fight because who knows what he comes back like? None of us knows. He could come back and be all same old T.J. Dillashaw. Or he could come back and just be a shadow of his former self. We don't know. We have to see him in a fight beforehand before we can even gauge where he's at and his readiness and his uh, willingness. Um, you'll remember. Um, your your memory is way better than mine. Dominic Cruz came back and he fought. Um, what was it? Mizugaki. Yes. Takeo yes, Mizugaki. Yes. Yep. And it was. Um, he put on a fantastic performance, and then that propelled him. Everyone wanted to see Cruz after that. I think he got hurt after that fight or something like that. But everyone wanted to see him after that. Off the top of my head, I think that was UFC 178. Okay, so I'm just guessing here. Yeah, but everyone, I'm just guessing everyone here. wanted to see Cruz after that. Why in the world do we not have the same situation with TJ Dillashaw? Keep people keep linking him to this number one contender fight. Why can't he can't he take a fight that Cruz took? Not only has TJ Dillashaw been out for such a long time. But before that, he was he was he's out because he was cheating. So I just don't get where this sentiment of he has to go automatically into a number one contenders fight. Let's let's just throw him in there against a top guy, but not Corey Sanhagen. See what he looks like, and then from there we can go carve the path forward. I think is that's there, the fairest. Is there a guy assessment. you have in mind? No, there's not a guy I have in mind right now. But there's so many different permutations that what you could do. I think it's just very weird that. We're in a time and place where we just keep trying to, like, 
throw him into this number one contender spot after him being gone so long. I, there's something to be said about there's a bunch of fighters who have, not a bunch, but there's some fighters who have come back after time and reinvented themselves like Brian Ortega after a layoff. But we've also seen other fighters who after a layoff, they came back and they put on stinkers. I just I just want him to be able to be fairly and accurately judged. So let me tell you a little bit of a problem with that, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know who he could potentially come back and fight, but let's just say he doesn't get that Corey Sanhagen yep. fight. I think, and this is, again, this is not what I think should happen. I think the UFC, no matter who he comes back and beats, he could come back and beat Takeo Mitsugaki, mm-hmm. you know, who's been retired. I think he retired last year mm-hmm. or this year. Um, and I think they're still going to give him the title shot, which I don't agree with. But I'm just saying it's going to annoy me if he beats somebody lesser and gets a title shot. Whereas if he comes back and beats Corey Sanhagen, at least I can stomach it. You, you follow yeah. what I'm saying? So, but me personally, and I've talked about this fight to you before, and I think this will be a great fight. I would love to see him against uh, Rob Font. You know, after Rob Font's last performance, he looks good. Um, again, that's a number three guy. He's ranked number three. I just pulled up the rankings. So, you know, either way. Uh, but I think if I had a guess, I don't think the UFC is going to make the Corey Sanhagen, TJ Dillashaw Good. fight. I think it's going to be TJ Dillashaw versus Jose Aldo, if I had to put a guess on it. And I, I'm usually pretty good at kind of – and obviously there's injuries. And I like and people that want, too, you know, by the way. Yeah. But I, I think that's the fight that will the UFC will make. Uh, they'll look to build TJ Dillashaw's name back up over Aldo. But even if Aldo wins, you know, Aldo's right back in the mix at one thirty. And for TJ, it's, it's fantastic because, you know, look, stylistically, I love the fight. I love to see, you know, and we had to talk about that because um, it's there. I think we get caught in a certain point where we say a fighter should does, do this. And they have the capability of doing it, but we see time and time again that they're not doing it. So I'll elaborate that later. But for this example, it's like I'm saying I wanted to see that auto fight because auto may be leg kicking him to death, you know. But we haven't even seen auto spam leg kicks in a very, very long time, even though we know he has the ability to do it. But it's still interesting to see from stylistically. Um, that's a fight I'd prefer to be made, me personally. And then I'd be able to better gauge and assess where TJ Dillashaw is at. And um, I would have fun from it from there. But this whole feeding him, you know, the the Sanhagen and just the stuff like that, it's like let's let's just pump the brakes, man. Last the last time he yeah. fought, he went down and um, yeah, he went down the way he lost and he was cheating. Let's 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 yeah. let's slow it down. We don't want to reward cheaters. Yeah. I, I totally get slow what you're saying. Uh, moving on to that actual card last weekend, uh, Volkov knocked out Alistair Overeem. And Alistair Overeem's last 11 losses has been by KO or TKO. Now, is it time for Alistair Overeem to retire? Answer me that hmm. one. So I'll throw that one at All you. All right, so, you know, let's go and look up um, some of those names also that he lost against just for some bearing up. I think that, first, I think it's inappropriate for anyone, the media and or anyone else to call for the next person's retirement, right? But if you ask me as a fan, is it time for Alistair Overeem to retire? If he was a family member of mine, would I want him to retire? Um, The answer would be yes. Because for me, it's not only the losses and how he's been KO'd. Obviously, that plays a heavy factor. 
but it's the amount of the sheer amount of fights and the wars he's been involved in. Then combined with the way he's been losing, and you see his last eleven um fight, and and the fact that he's fighting at heavyweight too. Yeah, look at this: Rosenstrike, Volkov, Curtis Blades, Francis Ngannou, Stipe, which was a devastating one too. Ben Rothwell, Bigfoot, Travis Brown. Yeah, all all these was. It was it was it was disgusting. It's all all these finishing. What I f- kind of find it and, weird though is that if you look at it, you have been the only person I've known that's consistently asked about Alistair Overeem and him getting finished. Majority of um, MMA media they don't talk about that, like him getting finished. Nobody does. Yeah, as if he's been taking such brutal beatings um, over time. Like like there's more more calls for Chris Weidman and um, other people, etc. Than him. I mean, I've been saying that. Something's, you know, the media is not, so it's hard. I'm trying to find a way to say this correctly, but the media is always quick to retire guys, which I don't really, I agree with you. I don't think anybody should really be doing that, but I pointed out this bias all the way back in 2014. When I first met you, this is, this was one of the first things I was saying, because at that point he had been KO'd by Antonio Bigfoot Silva, Travis Brown, and Ben Rothwell, all within a mm-hmm. year, and they were all brutal. They were absolutely brutal KOs. Um, I don't know if that makes any difference as far as brain health or not, but, man, it's just crazy. He lost three out of his four fights there, and absolutely brutal KOs. And what what's really scary to me is the way shots hurt him. Yeah, now. That aren't mm-hmm. even, that aren't even shots that... I mean, I can't say they wouldn't hurt anyone. But they're but punches that he would have absorbed before. Yes, before. Like, Stipe, like, for anyone who doesn't remember, Stipe knocked him out from full guard. When do you ever see a guy get knocked out from full guard? And I also think another aspect of it is the reason why no one, you don't see media members calling for his retirement is because when you really think about it, Alistair has remained extremely coherent. You know, um, some guys haven't. Like, the reason with the calls for the um, Nick Diaz one, they had that interview, I think, with Ariel, and then people were saying he was slurring his speech. Um, a few, uh, They didn't call for this guy's retirement, but they were saying a lot of stuff was wrong. When Gaethje had just came, and Mike, Michael Johnson was alluding to the fact that uh, he had slurred speech and something was wrong with him, too. He had CTE. Um, you know, the list and list goes on and on and on against get, I'm calling for. Chris Weidman is another one who's gotten finished, and... Um, People, we have, I have definitely called for his retirement the way he's fallen off. Um, so, but for Alistair, he remains extremely coherent, and because of that division that he's in, on any given fight, any given night, he can win. You know, so it's it's just it's just crazy for me. I think I'm over the situation. I think now, especially with the last loss that he's taken, the brutality of it. The way he just got brutalized, and the way he doesn't seem like he can absorb punishment anymore, um, I think it would be best for him to stop. But he doesn't seem punch drunk like some guys. I know what you yeah. mean. Like some Let guys. me rephrase the question for you: Do you personally want to see Alistair Overeem fight again? Oh man, this is a very personal question because um, I'm the same guy that said, you know, with the Anderson Silva because of the way he was and he fell off that I was finished with the situation. If he ever fights again, I won't be watching. And for Alistair, I think I've reached that point. I think now I've reached that point where it's like, how much more could you do? 
And on top of that, we're not seeing you at the tippity top of the mountain no more. And you're just a shell and shadow of your former former self. And your your skill set has also become so limited because of your chin. So, yeah, I do think that I've reached that point. Um, and it's extremely unfortunate because he's one of my favorite fighters of all time. What about you, though? For me, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. But for me, that luster has been gone for years. Yeah. I mean, even this fight, you can go back and look at the pre-fight. Remember, I said I was way more excited for the co-main event because for me, not only does Alistair's diminished chin limit his skill set, it's like I can't even be excited for his fights because even if he does win, I know he's not going to make any waves in the heavyweight yeah. division as far as, you know, he's not going to beat Ngannou. He's not going to beat, you know, Stipe Miocic. It's just that chin is such a liability for me. It's almost, you know, it's worse than for me. And this is going to sound crazy because I know a lot of people get hyped. Like, I know a lot of people were excited to see Alistair fight last weekend. Uh, but for me, it's like, okay, Diego Sanchez is going out there oh, again. That's, that's you know? an extreme. That's an extreme. I, I know that's extreme. But for me, it's like, I, it's crazy. I mean, I, I said this in the post fight. It almost looks like he would be knocked out with a jab. And it's just kind of alarming, you know? And it, it, for me, it's always turned me off as far as his fights. Um, you know, it's I'm never like, oh, I'm super excited for Alistair Overeem to fight because he can't even showcase his, his full skill set because he's constantly doing this the yeah. whole time. You know it's what I mean? Up. Yep. So let me ask, let me ask you a question because early on you said that you weren't too much of a big fan of legacy fights, right? Which for me now I find that to be weird because you're not calling for Alistair's retirement so exactly what are you calling for him to do continue to fight contenders and get knocked out or like like what what, not, what would you so, what would you like them to do with him if he does continue to fight and people and not even just him but people that's in his situations I, I, what i would like to happen is ufc can pay him a retirement and he can go be a coach oh, or we, something of course um, we would love that but at this point we know it's unrealistic Totally unrealistic. See, I, it, it's it's hard for me to answer because I, I really can't call for anything. Yeah. You know, I don't want to see the guy not make money. You know, if he wants to and, fight for another ten years, making money, that's so, up to him. But that's that's what makes. But the, it's just hard for me to keep watching him, even yeah. though for seven years now I've been saying, "Man, that chin is glaringly yes. glass." But isn't that what makes the the legacy fights that people have been speaking about more logical? Then, like, if there was this elder statesman division or something that something fun that you could do with these guys since they're going to keep fighting anyway isn't it i i guess because i guess alistair gonna be the gatekeeper yeah but even even then he's 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 shown that the ability to get brutally ko'd you know it's just more of the same at this but wouldn't point wouldn't it be the same if but, he was fighting the guys the same age and no because most of the, most of those guys are are diminished you know like you if um like, like, let's even if we put him as to be the gatekeeper with a role that JDS had, right? Imagine Overeem versus, um, however you pronounce his name, the Frenchman, Cyril Gain. Like, imagine what Gain would have done to him. So, even in that kind of situation, we're going to see him brutally finished and brutally KO'd. I, I think it just sucks because there's no way to hide those kind of guys. And also, what I, what I want to say, and I've said this before as well is I think Alistair Overeem, without the liability of his chin, yeah. skill for skill, he's better than a yes. lot of these top mm-hmm. guys. I think without his chin, if you give him a chin uh, 
an average chin, you know, just, you know, he has a glass jaw now, but if you just give him the average fighter's chin, I would almost lean, this is going to be a very bold statement, I would almost lean Overeem to beat Stipe Miocic right now without that glaring issue of the chin because he's so well-rounded, he has great clinch work, he has, uh, you know, great wrestling, um, it's not spectacular yeah. DC style, uh, great kicks, Great punches, um, power, submissions. Um, you know he's, you know he's very he's such a well-rounded fighter, and it's just that liability of a chin that stops his other skills from being able to be used in their full capacity. Because you can't strike when you're constantly turtling yeah. up. You know what I mean? You can't let you can't throw combinations when you're so scared that somebody's going to touch and your chin because you're going to slip immediately. Hit. Yeah, you know. Exactly. So it's hard for me, and the Alistair Overeem situation is very weird because I've even told you before, um, without that chin issue, I think he could have been I agree. Yep. possibly the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time, um, especially back when he first came in and he was eating that shark yeah, that meat. horse meat. That horse meat. He said, the Overeem. Yeah. Overeem. Yeah, when he was, when he was um, muscular, straight out of a Marvel movie, superhero. Yeah. yeah, but to, basically, I think Alistair's probably going to stick around. Um, and what's crazy about the division is, in heavyweight, you're never more than two two spectacular wins away from a title I shot, agree with so. you, but with this last performance, I think that's done. I think this last performance was, this was the worst that I've seen Alistair in terms of being able to absorb damage the way he could take strikes and and, and how he was neutral, I think this was the worst. And I, I also think that, you know, now now it seems as if jabs also are really affecting him. Like any kind of strikes are really it's really devastating to him. So it's um it's a bad situation that he's in. I don't know. We can't call for these guys to retire. We can't call for them to get subpar competition, like, you know, because then it's just it's just what are we watching at that point, you know? But it just sucks because they keep fighting. And what I'm, what my fear is, and the reason why we're even having this conversation is that one day something negative will happen to one of these men, as if they die, they get seriously hurt. And then when the mainstream media comes in, they're gonna say he was forty something years old. His last ten losses was. A, all by yes, KO. all by KO. Why were there no regulations into into stopping this? You know, basically, as they said before, the human cockfighting, the nonsense like that. And they'll come in and they'll just be able to tear it apart. And for people who don't watch this sport, who don't enjoy this sport, they won't understand. They'll just look at it like it's um, like you know, gladiators uh, killing each other inside the octagon. So it's a it's a very tough situation, man. And we're headed. We're headed down that route. I'm not saying now, but with the older guys continuing to fight and these late stoppages that sometimes come into play, I, it's just a bad combination, man. Everything is just a real bad combination. All right, so let me ask you, let me let me change the topic yep. here for a minute because this is something I texted you about earlier, but I wanted to get your thoughts on. Uh, real quick, have you had a chance to watch the Nate Diaz interview yet or no? No. I have no interest no. in and watching anything. Okay, so so he was talking, Ariel Hawani was kind of dangling, uh, does Nate Diaz want the Conor McGregor trilogy right now? 
And Nate Diaz, I, I typed it out. Uh, this isn't an exact quote, but mm. it's pretty close. Um, he said, now is not the time for that. He's been getting finished left and right. I'm going to have to go out there and get finished off a few more times before that fight gets made. What do you what do you think of that, Nate Diaz? Is is the time is the time not now for that trilogy? Um, look, I mean it's the comments was laughable. Nate's a funny guy. I love Nate, but here's the thing. I mean, at this point, he's no better than McGregor. He's a guy that's sitting on the sidelines, commenting about guys that are being active. You know, I'll never me personally, I'll never support that. It doesn't matter who it is, and. He also, later on, I don't know if it's the same interview, but I saw some disgusting comments talking about that he wanted to fight Dustin Poirier at 170 uh, and some other names at 170. Man, these things are just ridiculous, you know. Um, for Nate and anyone else who's behaving like him, and he, including Conor McGregor because he's shown that he will and has, if you're not active, just keep people, active fighters' names out of your mouth. And also, if you're not active and you're not showing any willingness to be active and trying to chase a belt and you're chasing a money fight, then, like, just leave these things alone. Like, it's... For so many... For so long now, these guys have been linked together. Hasn't happened. And now you're talking about fighting at 170 guys that are lightweights and they're building their resumes in the lightweight division. It's just... To me, it's just weird. What's crazy is... And I, and I wanted to... I, there's a couple more things about this interview I wanted to mention to you and mm -hmm. get your take on. Um... I think the interview was a great interview, and it, and it was Nate Diaz. I mean, with some of the wonky said, things he said, but he said all the right things. But the biggest problem, he would have came out looking like a superhero. Mm -hmm. But the biggest problem was that 170 comment. Because people were asking, oh, you want to fight Connor? You want to do this? He said, no, nah, I want to fight Dustin, or I want to fight Charles Oliveira. They're both real fighters. They're on good streaks, blah, blah, blah. Now that would have been great, you know. I don't necessarily. I'm not campaigning for those fights by any means, but what I'm saying from a standpoint of, you know, when you have guys like Connor calling out people like Diego Sanchez, that's a bad oh, look. Soon. But you have Nate Diaz come out. You acknowledge Charles Oliveira is is a rightful guy. Um, you acknowledge that um, Dustin Poirier is a deserving guy of you know, as far as an elite lightweight fighter on a you know on a tear. Uh, but the 170 part was wonky. But the other little piece of the interview that I wanted to talk about, because the 170 thing is completely ridiculous, and I'm going to say this. I actually think, and this is just a wild, I have no evidence to back this up. I think Nate Diaz will fight at 155 next. I think they're going to try to find and use him at 155. Um, stack division, there's so many great fights. Tony Ferguson fight would be awesome, uh, which Tony Ferguson <coughs> fight they could potentially make at 170. But um, the other thing he said was, is not only did he want, he said I wanted to be active last year, but you know problems came about. He says he wants to fight at least two times this year, but he's hoping to fight four times. Would you love a Nate Diaz that's fighting four times a year? Are you all right? You gonna survive? Yeah, I'll be all right. <laughs> what would you think of a Nate Diaz that's gonna fight four times this year? It'd be great. Um, it would be fantastic. <clears throat> I just choked, man. I don't even know on what. <laughs> But yeah, it'd be fantastic, right? <laughs> but I just doubt that he's gonna do that. And then where are the matchups for him? Even the winnable matchups. So it's you know difficult. what's crazy? You're gonna call me crazy here, okay? Yep. And I love Nate, uh, but I've always been realistically about his skill set. 
I look at that lightweight division, and I kind of like his chances in a lot of these fights. Again, you know, I'm not saying I would necessarily. Against who? I'm not saying I would necessarily. Yeah, but him. now, now own it against who? Who do you like his matchups against, and why? I think he could beat Michael Chandler. Okay. I think he could. I think he could beat Tony Ferguson. Okay. I think he can beat Conor McGregor. Okay. Um, I think he can be competitive in a fight with Dustin Poirier. Um, and I think he can be competitive with Charles Oliveira Dustin as well. Dustin Poirier, who you I know, said I, on a previous video, is um one of the greatest lightweights of all time. Styles make fights. No, no, we we know we we. I trust me. You're preaching to the choir. Uh, I know that, but. I'm not saying I'd pick Nate, okay? that you said was one of the greatest lightweights of all time. Also, you said that he's um, one of the greatest, I think you said he's one of the greatest strikers uh, in in that division, which is which is an accurate statement. You think that um, Nate and him is going to be competitive? I think it would be competitive, yes. Do you think that he Poirier would finish Nate? Do I think that Poirier would like, finish how, how do you think that fight would go? Now you're really, you're really interrogating me now. No, because I'm honestly interested um, in hearing this. I think Dustin would probably win by decision. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied um, with that. I'm not, I'm not going to make any kind I, of attack uh, on it because that's a fight I don't even want to think about at this moment. But I just, if Poirier is what we, and for me, I, I don't, I don't think Poirier is one of the greatest, um, lightweight. I think he's really good. Um, I don't think he's one of the greatest. I think there's, there's some things we can question. On his resume about the timing of some of his wins. Real, real um, quick, if you were if you were to quick off the top of your head rank the greatest lightweight, yeah, I'm not doing that would, off the top of my head. I'm just wondering, like, who would be above uh, him? Would you think? I don't know. We'll do a whole separate video on that because that's that's a lot to to break down. But we'll do a whole separate off, video on that. Off the top of my head, and I wasn't around for the mm-hmm. BJ era, but I know a lot of people yeah, would fantastic. say BJ. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, Khabib, mm-hmm. and then I think Dustin Poirier would be next for me. Uh, wh- just from what as, I've seen, as I said, we we got it because we have to. For me to do that, it's fair that we look into the resumes because I've always I've always said what's important about this is that you not only list the names but the timing of the wins and the circumstances, the context of the wins that he had. And there's a couple wins that he had. He beat guys when they weren't in their prime, or they later on went and uh, evolved. So I don't I don't know. As I said, we can do a whole different video on that. Um, I think it would be a fantastic video, but it remains to be seen. Yeah, you know. Um, but but off. But, but with that being said, you know, I, I'm also gonna say I find it weird personally when we consider someone to be one of the greatest in their respective division, and then take a journeyman, a guy who's been a journeyman for his the entirety of his career, and says he's gonna have a competitive fight with him. Even even with the stylistic matchup, I just find it to be weird when. When that type of stuff happens, you know, because usually guys that are at the top of the top, or being at the top of the top, they beat the brakes off of those guys. They beat the guys that they're supposed to beat, and then the guys that they're supposed to have trouble with, they overcome them. But those are the fights that are competitive. Normally, you don't see the great, even with the stylistic matches, you don't see the greatest of the greatest having trouble with journeyman, and then just being able to do everything else that they did. You normally you don't I, see. I, th- I I think what it is for me is. Nate's biggest weakness is his his wrestling. Yeah, biggest. Yep. Um, he's able to be taken down and controlled, mm-hmm. 
And when you look at that division with Khabib gone, yep. uh, with RDA kind of out of the picture for right now, kind of, you know, he's coming back from welterweight. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like Nate's chances. I mean, when I say like his chances, I don't favor him, but I don't see him getting blown out against some of these other strikers. And even Dustin is more than a striker now. You see in the way he, he went right through Conor. I, I, to be honest with you, I, I, think, I, I think Nate I think Nate Diaz has better takedown than Conor McGregor. And we have, I, you know, that's actually great. Some some of the guys that watch this channel, they're really good with their advanced stats. And because we haven't seen Nate in so long, these are the reasons why I consider these conversations to be just ludicrous. Because who knows what he looks like? It's the same thing with TJ Dillashaw. Who knows if he what he's been working on and to the extent that he has been working on. I think... Poirier could take him down. I think that the, just the added dimension of Poirier being able to take him down, um, and maybe he won't be able to keep him there, but I think it's possible he could take him down. The leg kicks well, also, that Nate never checks. Southpaw that, versus yeah, Southpaw. That he never checks. And then and then the Poirier, to me, is he's a better striker because he's more he's a little more crisp in what he does, but Nate is a fantastic striker. I think that he just has more paths to victory. Um all right, let me ask you a quick question before before you say something else. If you had to choose, yeah. who do you think has a better chance of beating Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor or Nate Diaz? I, th- I know that's a random. To me, off the to wall. me, it's 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 like it's it goes back, and I'm gonna always remain consistent. It was one of the things about me, one of my best features, right? All right, so look, it's the same thing. I do not know what this Nate hold on, Diaz. Hold on, looks- hold on, hold on. I think your best feature is your eyes. I love that. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, but this um this version of Nate Diaz, I don't know who this version of Nate Diaz is. We haven't seen him. In fact, the last time we saw him, Maslow was paused. He was too big for him. But, like, you know, we, the last time we saw him, we saw him get brutalized. So, I, I have no idea what Nate Diaz currently is. I think, I don't know. I've I've absolutely I that's that's very hard for me to answer because it's not two active guys that are, you know, that have been have been fighting and that's just easy to match them up against. Um, it's a possibility if 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 I wanted to say based off of these guys, and it's not even fair to even do that because if I say if we let's base Nate off of the best version of himself, then why wouldn't we do that with Connor? And base the Connor that we just the best version of himself against Poirier and just say who will win that? So I I have no idea. Both guys did not fight for a long time. Um, Conor was claiming ring rust. I think that was ludicrous too. But maybe something could be said about that. And Nate, who knows well, what he looks like at this point? Well, also side note: the best version of Conor McGregor got choked out by Nate Diaz in two rounds. I don't I don't so. know if that was the best version of him. I think the most spectacular version of um, Conor McGregor that we ever saw, and that was because of the way the man fought, was against Eddie Alvarez. That yeah, was like well, I, yeah. I was I, I was thinking that too, but <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that was only a couple months off. Yeah, so you know what yeah. I mean. So 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 it's, um, it's it's just it's just weird for me because with all these fights and the way they're thrown together, I don't think you're wrong about them. I think that look, Nate, he's he's a competent fighter. And stylistically, he's a matchup for a lot of guys. But I also think that it's fair to call into question other people's greatness if they're going to struggle with that. Because Khabib would have never, ever, ever, ever struggled with that. And the guys at the top of the top, the the best, the guys that we call the best at those divisions, they don't struggle with, with individuals like that. They never do. They Those guys, they take to the trash can. 
and, and they throw them out real quick. Yeah. Um, exactly. Um, I don't want to talk about this too in depth, yeah. but you know what I just thought of while you were talking? Imagine what a Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Nate Diaz fight would have looked Brutality. like. Brutality. <laughs> Brutality. Nate's getting finished also. Oh my yeah. good! That would have been a brutal beatdown by yeah. Khabib. Oh my! It would, it would have been brutality. What's weird is is that for Nate now, because of the whole Connor situation, I think that his best bet is to fight um, Poirier, because that'd be a fun fight. It's a reward for Poirier too, because he could get some good easy money off of um that fight, and it'll it, you know it'll be a fun fight for the fans and stuff like that, but. I just I don't know how he'll do against these other guys. At this point, why would he want to fight Tony Ferguson? What what would that do for Nate? What would that do for him? And for us, it's hard because it's it's fun. But why would the UFC would even want to? Why would they want to make that? Yeah, you know, I, I have no I idea. I think Justin Gaethje um, has a chance to brutalize him. Oliveira would yeah, brutalize I, him. I do not like his chances against <laughs> yeah. Justin Gaethje uh, at. Oh, Justin Gaethje would run. Exactly. Uh, like, Oliveira would probably brutalize. Like, so it's like, the, his choices are very limited, too. I, I don't know. Right now, it's they, these guys that want to do these one-off fights, they're in a very tough place. Okay, so w- one last thing I wanted to mention from the Nate Diaz mm-hmm. interview that I found interesting, and I was just curious of your take on it. Um, he was basically talking about his record and his losses yep. versus other guys' records and other guys' losses. And what he was saying, and, and I, I don't remember the exact quote, but he was talking about, like, guys getting finished. And he was saying how, you know, he's basically never been finished. I think his only loss was, finished loss was to Josh Thompson. Um, he was saying, in reference to his decision losses, essentially, he was saying, I'll take 100 of those losses before I take one of those, uh, you know, being finished yep. losses by those other guys. What do you think about that? Do you think that kind of he has a point there? Yeah. Like, would you rather be a guy losing close decisions or just decisions in general to other elite talent or rather than, you know, maybe multiple fights of those losses rather than getting brutally KO'd or, or submitted in a fight? Do you think that – what do you think about So that? the word that I've recently fallen in love with is um, context, right? So it depends. Now, how much damage am I taking in those decisions? If it's very close decisions, but I'm not taking a bunch of damage, then yeah, I would like that. But if I'm being brutalized within those decisions, there's still an accumulation of damage as if I was just getting hit and just ended, lights out. And I actually was reading something a couple of years ago, and they were saying it's worse for guys, instead of the guys that get their bell rang and just shut off, it's much worse for guys who keep getting hit and they're not getting knocked out and then they just keep getting hit on top of them. I don't know the science to it. I'm not a doctor, but it depends. Now, for a guy in his situation that wants to one-off fights, those close decisions and him not getting finished, that is the best course of action, especially to continue to get money fights. Uh, just imagine, and I hate bringing up his name, but it's relevant, if Connor and Poirier had a very close fight and he just lost by decision, you would still have people. People are calling for him to get a title opportunity right now in a, in a fight that he got finished in. So just imagine if it was a close fight and, you know, and, and it was a decision. So for guys like those guys where they want to continue to get money fights, the close decisions are fantastic. But I, I think a loss is a loss. All of it is bad. 
Um, if you're talking about my health, then I don't know, man, because it's just it's really bad. It's really bad. I think Nate is he's a smart guy. He's an out of box thinker. I think he's way smarter than a lot of people give him credit for. Oh, yeah. definitely. And um, his timing on things is very good. And I like the fact that he's ready, willing, and able to call out everybody. And he's also not just angling for a specific fight. Because you know what? At least he's calling out killers. Uh, we have very we have true. not seen him yet say he want to fight Diego Sanchez. So very, He would have never. Yeah. He would have never. Uh, let me ask you the same question, but kind of reframe it a little bit. As far as, because the way he was talking about the whole finishing mm-hmm. quote, non-finishing decisions, forget the health aspect of it. As far as the the details or information you can obtain from this, like he's essentially saying, like, well, I only lost by decision while this guy got KO'd. Do you feel like that's a logical argument? Like, okay, well, you know, I deserve this more. I'm the better fighter. If you look at my resume, you know, I've lost by decision to some of these guys that this guy's got KO'd yeah. by. Do you think it makes sense? If it's a similar, yeah, if it's a similar guy, I mean, to, to a certain degree, to a certain aspect. But then once again, as as that my new favorite word, context, we got to look at when these things happened. If that fighter yeah. evolved over time, like, because obviously when you fought them, you didn't fight them at the same time. They may have been a lesser version of themselves, a greater version of themselves. You know, so you just have to add in the context with everything. I think at this point, though, it's so, it's just so hard to judge these guys. And everyone wants to get that leg up. So they're going to try to diminish um, somebody else. But Nate is in a, um, he's in a tough spot because unless he has, which Poirier does seem like he want to dance. But unless one of these top, top guys want to dance with him, there's no real open fights for him. By the way, we've said this in other videos, but I want to let people know. If Dustin Poirier decides to fight a Nate Diaz or fight Conor yep. McGregor in the trilogy, that's fine. We have no problem with it, but he forfeits his claim to fight for, for a title, title yep. in his next exactly. fight. You know what I'm saying? And if that's the fight that's going to make him more money, that's fine. But let some of these other guys who are deserving to fight for the title, because Conor McGregor doesn't deserve to fight for a title. You don't give a guy a title Popularity. shot just because another guy deserves a title shot. You know, this isn't a popularity contest, even though I know sometimes it, it helps make business decisions. Uh, because, you know, it we've seen some funky stuff the UFC has done over the years. But to throw Connor into a title fight coming off a knockout loss uh, when he hasn't won a fight in the division in over four years, uh, that is just something I cannot accept at all. I, can, I just cannot accept it. So... Real, real quick. Um, Johnny Walker fell out of his fight. I know against Crute, yes. right, Jimmy Crute? Mm-hmm. And he has a torn pectoral muscle or something like that. Any quick thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I'm sad. I was excited for that fight because Jimmy Crute has been working his way up. That was kind of a a nice little kind of gauge exactly. of where his talent is. Um. I wonder if he'll get a replacement. I wonder if it'll get rescheduled. Uh, but but it sucks. It's a fight that we, we lost, and it would have been a quality fight. What fight card was that on? Do you know the date or no? Check. Because I thought that might have been on the pay-per-view. Not this not this weekend, but I think that was on maybe two, 259. 260. But, oh, it was on 260. 
So that was that's that's the end of March. So that's almost two months away, kind of um, a little under two months. Uh, but I'm sad, man, because Jimmy Crute, he's been getting a lot of hype. A lot yeah. of people think he might be something special. And you know, if he was going there and brutalized Johnny Walker, uh, we could get a little bit of a gauge of his talent. Um, the other fight that fell out was wasn't it Alexander Rockage versus Dominic Reyes? We talked about it a little bit yep. before. But they announced there's going to be a replacement, and it's, he's going to fight uh, Thiago Santos. What do you think that about that makes fight? Because I love that fight. Very happy, man. That makes me super happy. I can't wait to um to see that fight. I can't wait to see how both guys perform. Oh, and I didn't realize this. And I, I sent you. I know I sent you the screenshot of the announcement, yeah. but that's on two fifty nine. So that's on that stacked card. Where you have Yan Blahovich versus Izzy Adesanya, Amanda Nunes versus Megan Anderson, Peter Yan versus Aljamain Stern, Dominic Cruz versus Kenny Casey or Casey Kenny or whatever the heck his name is, um, and then now you add the Ago Santos versus um, Alexander Rakic. What a wet dream! Ooh, what a card! What, what a, a card! What a card! Dream. I cannot wait. Um, Two fifty-eights this weekend. I'm excited for the main event, but the card is trash. Um, Kelvin Gastelum's on it. I'm excited to see Kelvin fight, but you know the opponent Ian Heinish. Yep. I'm not really pumped up for that fight. Any card that Macy Barber's in the co-main event, Yikes. I'm disturbed that the UFC's asking me to fork up seventy dollars for this, and it's really seventy five because you got to pay for exactly. ESPN Plus too. Uh, but again, we'll do it. Love the main event. Uh, we'll have a post-fight show for UFC 258, so make sure you subscribe and turn on notifications. Let's talk about that. If you want to watch second, that? Though. Yeah. Um... You know, and then we have to go, and I think also it's necessary to do this, and then they'll talk about certain fighters not drawing. Like that Usman versus Burns was going to be hard to sell to the casuals to begin with. And then now look at the card. I know. Look at the co-main. And then then if it it flops, they're like, oh, well, Usman doesn't draw. But it's like, but but look at the card. I know. You know, so. I know. And and even before, um, even before... You have, you had Chris Weidman mm-hmm. versus Uriah yep. Hall in the co-main event. I mean, that's not a great fight by any means. Um, imagine if Usman or Burns were to fall out and that fight was to get canceled. I'm not ordering that pay-per-view. Are you? No way I'm not ordering that pay per For $70? Macy Bob. I'll, I'll skip that Macy. one. Macy Barber? Macy Bob. <laughs> and I don't know what they would do. You better in, call in time, Roxanne. <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you think about Macy Barber being in a co-main event? Look, I mean, for whatever review. reason, the UFC there's some people the UFC likes to try to sell to us. Uh, Macy Barber is one of them. So, do you do you think this is just bad timing for the UFC slash Usman, or do you think sometimes um, when you have a guy that they say doesn't draw, do you think sometimes they don't like stacking the card? Because maybe that gives them some type of negotiating power, you know, with with them. You yeah, know what I mean? there's, there's an op- you, you know, it's it's an opportunity. I think so, but I don't know how much so that would be for Usman's case because it's not like he was selling hotcakes and stuff. Why would they even try to lower it? You know, but who knows? Who knows? I, it maybe it's timing and a, it's a combination thing. I don't trust what the UFC would do. Because you look at two fifty nine and two sixty yeah. and. And it's fantastic. I cannot wait for those fight cards. And I'm super excited for 258 but, just because of the main event. But remember, they also want to sell that Alessandra. That Alessandra they they want to they make those big sales off of his name, too. And also, for you guys that are listening to the podcast and enjoy the podcast, 
you can now catch it in a bunch of different places. We have it out in audio form. Um, let me name off some of those places too, just so you guys will know. It's on six different, I think seven different platforms, right? So we have, it's on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So we're finally there. We'll be dropping these episodes weekly. Um, if you want to listen to it like that in just a straight audio version while you're at work, you can listen to it there. Hey, shout out to Paul Connor. We, we appreciate you, man. Yeah, exactly. Shout out to you. And um, that comment really, it really got us going. We said, you know, we're going to get this out in a straight audio version. So, guys, it'll be easier for you guys because, you know, YouTube sometimes with... I don't know if YouTube puts ads on these or or what they do, but... You know, and the fact that some not everyone has that YouTube on their phone with a video yeah. can play continuously. And you sometimes you want to play it in the exactly, background. Exactly. So. Yeah. Also, also this guy has been subscribed to us for a while. I think before we even went to video, yeah. and he's always commenting, encouraging stuff on our videos. Um, I am the defense. I think is how you would pronounce it. So shout out yep. to you too, man. We appreciate your comments. Um, but yeah, man, I'm happy we're finally going to have it on audio form as well as on our YouTube channel. Uh, so that way, anybody that wants to go watch it, you know, and have it playing in the background or have it in their pocket listening to it. Um, and we're trying to know, do some kinda... some real, give you increased quality on the audio side. So if you guys do listen there, you'll probably hear a difference um, because we're able to do some different stuff than we are through the Zoom call that we're actually doing here. So it's big things for the channel. We keep trying to put our best foot forward. And we appreciate you guys because without you guys, None of this would be possible. These would just be private conversations that myself and my great friend Joey would continue um, to be having alone. But now we have a little community here, and it's just it's unbelievable to me. Honestly, big thanks to you guys. I Let's know, talk about um, Yusuf Muhammad's question, man, because he asked a fantastic question. Um, That question also may force me to look in upon myself and I kind of alluded to it earlier and I wanted to get into it and I think it definitely deserves some time um you have the question near you no I'm trying to pull it up right now I'm gonna gonna do the same the question was great I just remember thinking to myself like oh you see if you kind of and and this is why I like when people ask you to explain your reasons oh Oh, I found it. I found it. Okay, so he asked a couple good questions. First question is, who is the biggest waste of talent in the UFC? Ooh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. Who Do you, you have anybody off the top of your head that's popping in? There was somebody, when I originally read this question, and this, these questions are actually from two weeks ago, but we had already recorded it the night before we posted it, and uh, so we missed it. Biggest so waste of talent. That's a tough one. Um, this might be a little bit early to say, but you could put that on a guy like Johnny Walker who was looking spectacular. Um, he's jumping around to different camps now. He blames his camp for every time he loses. Um, kind of the opposite of some guys who, who don't adjust things and just stick it out with their camp constantly. Um, for me, I'm trying to think for of some, me, I wanted to else. say Uriah Hall, but he's bounced back as of late. You know, so it's it's weird. It's very weird, but for him to be tallied as um, the second coming of Anderson Silva, 
and then we've seen what's happened with him throughout the course of his career, you know, um, it just leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, who else? Who? Next, I, I can't. Think oh, of I, you know what? I got a good one here, what? and I'm gonna get no. one. He he actually was a champion before. Chris Weidman, he had the low, he had the shortest reign of dominance that we've seen from 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 a guy that had a combination of size, fantastic wrestling ability, fantastic jiu-jitsu. Um, and I believe injuries did play a factor, but because of that, the reign, the dominance. It, that he had it was never sustained and I think that if the injuries didn't play a factor if he did improve a little bit on the striking he could have been a matchup nightmare for a lot of people and he could have remained uh, a champion for a long time so f- I disagree with you but yeah. I never was high on him I never thought he had a lot of talent I think he was right place right time but I respect Th- that, the opinion that, that but the but the when we saw him able to be able to wrestle the fact that he's fantastic with jiu-jitsu, it's just a winning formula. If you look at those kind of guys, yeah, it's just, it's just a winning formula you could possibly have. Well, are you ready? I just thought of another answer while you were you were saying that. Oh, Yusuf's going to hate me for this one. I'm going to say Conor oh, McGregor. Oh, God, come on. And while, why I'm going to say that, I know he's reached the highest of the highs. But the man is so inactive... You know, now he's fought three mm-hmm. times in five years. As talented as he looked, and as many people were hyping him up, and no doubt he has talent, he's a great striker. Theoretically, in that same mm-hmm. time, I'm wondering how many times has Cowboy Cerrone fight? You know what I mean? Fought. Imagine what an active, he's claiming everything on ring rust. Imagine as big of a superstar as Connor has been, you know, double champion, all his accolades. Imagine what a Connor. That would have fought, you know, three times in the last five years and been consistently winning, defending belts. Um, that would have been fifteen fights. He would have fought fifteen times if he just fought three times a year. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Or ten times if he fought twice a year. So for me, I think it's a waste of talent. I think it's a waste of his charisma. I think it's a waste of his star power. Um, because when you sit out, I feel like your star dies a little bit. And I felt this in this four year fight. I felt like his star has died a little bit. Um, and I think that's why he's fiending to come back as quick as he gets because inactivity compounded with losses compounded with being finished. I think that really kills a guy's star power. Um, and I just believe, even though I wasn't the biggest Conor McGregor, believer, Sabi, you weren't, I you believe weren't, you weren't, you were never a believer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're never but, ever at at zero points. Were you ever a believer? So, so even though I was not a Conor McGregor mm-hmm. believer, I still think he had great skills. Okay, decent skills. I think he could beat some guys. I think he wasted the combination of what he had at the time because you know there's so many fights he could have had that over these past few years. And win or loss, he would have made a lot of money. Favored him to lose. How could he have been a a waste of talent? If if the guy if the guy you claimed has been the most, and in fact, not only you but we both claimed was probably the most um, over. I don't even want to say overhyped, but people. What what is the word I'm looking for? People have overvalued his skills more than. Any other fighter, 
ranked him with names that uh, both of me and you thought was ludicrous. Put him on top of um, pound for pound when there was no established range of dominance. So how could he have been essentially a race of talent if you never believed that he had that that enormous amount of talent to begin with. I've actually had conversations with you before and you, you shot down the Weidman comment that I had and you treated Conor McGregor the same as you treated Chris Weidman. You didn't you thought that they were both limited in their skill sets and limited in their talents. So now how is he a biggest biggest waste of talent ever if you thought he was limited to begin with? Because you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And if he would have took some fights, there's no doubt he has he as much as I shit on him all the time, and I wasn't yes. a, and I wasn't a believer in him. Mm-hmm. He's obviously not a scrub fighter, you know. He has mm-hmm. good skills, even great skills. Even striking yeah. is phenomenal. Fantastic. He could have proved me wrong. He didn't even try, you know what I mean. So he didn't even get that opportunity, and he had the charisma. He had some talent. He, he's a salvageable fighter. Some people would even say he's a great fighter. And just to sit on the sidelines instead of trying to put those skills to use to prove people like me wrong, he just sat out and we'll, we'll never know. This debate, we can talk about this in 30 years. We don't I, know because I think because now, because now, hold on, let me let me finish this thought. Now, let's say he comes back and fights Poirier again and gets knocked out and he retires, mm-hmm. right? He's going to say, oh, well, I sat out. My, the narrative is going to be, I sat out my prime years. I sat out my prime years. That's what you're going to apply that logic to anything. So that's that's for me. That's neither here nor there. There's always going to be All an I'm excuse. Sa- for for Connor, I think for for the talents that we know he has and that we've seen he has, um, he came around at the right moment, and he definitely exceeded my expectations with things that he accomplished within that short amount of time that he's been there. Because we've always, at least from the way I viewed it. I've always viewed Connor as an MMA, one of the highest of the top top of the top guys in the realm of striking. For takedown defense, lots was to be left to do, ah, lots was desired from his takedown defense. There was no wrestling from him at all. There was very little jujitsu. So in in terms of his just identifiable talents. I don't know if he's the biggest way. I think he maximized the talents that he had way more than a lot of other guys. Okay. I, Yusuf did not. He's getting every penny's worth of, of this question right now because I have two more answers. Sweet, now. sweet. The more I think about it, the more we talk about it, I have two more answers. And I'm not even going to say anything with this one. I want you to take this as soon as I say the name. Dominic Cruz. Yeah, but that's injuries. That's injuries, but it's too. still yeah, but it's a waste of talent, though. That's, you know what I mean? He had he looked to be to be one of the greatest bantamweights of all true. time, and he sat out sat out peak of his. It's not career. even that he said he was forced to because of the injuries, but yeah, that's true. I understand. I understand what you're saying. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, and we also, yeah, that's that, that's fair. Because it hurts I think me. It hurts me think, to say yeah, but it's fair. Because you're thinking of it more of they squandered it themselves. Yeah, but I'm thinking of regardless of circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Talent that was unrealized. That's um, true. The other, the but other that, but one. But you see, it's weird because it's like, was it unrealized? Because when we did see him and he and it was on all cylinders, and we saw what he could possibly be, it was everything was realized. The wrestling was there. He was know. at the top. The striking was there. Like, like everything was there. All facets of the game was there. So it's it's weird. It's like how you take the question. You know, it's weird. 
This is a tough one and fantastic conversation. Yusuf, man, we love your questions, dude. Yep, and here's my last one, my last answer. And I'm thinking of it as more of not wasted talent, but more of I would have loved to see more. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, The moment has passed by. We didn't get Mm -hmm. it, and it's gone now. The other answer is TJ Grant. Oh. Concussion-like symptoms. He pulls out of that title fight against Benson Henderson, never to be seen or heard from again. He looked, and I know that was kind of, at this point, it was a different air. Yep. But, man, he, he was looking like a world beater at the time, you know. And I know, you know, we can't say how he would match up with guys now. But to pull out of a title fight, you know, what was that, eight and years ago now? Yeah. Pro- and then disappear forever with concussion-like symptoms. There's a lot of, har- even hardcore MMA fans that don't mm. even know who TJ Grant yep. is. Um, so I'm going to say that's definitely some ir- unrealized potential, wasted talent. Fantastic. From no fault of yeah. his own. Agreed. Yep. And we didn't um, even get to so see him that, at a prime version of himself ever. I you know. know. Yeah, that's so that for for me it's like also we never even got to see what he would look like a prime version of himself. So it's it's insane. I think that was perfect one. Yeah, TJ Grant. I have zero. That's probably my number yeah. one right there. Uh, let's move on to this next question because mm-hmm. we spent probably twenty five minutes talking about that one. But I think that was a great conversation. So Yusuf, we appreciate the questions. Uh, which UFC fighter would look unstoppable with EPL? I got an easy answer for that, and and this is fact: TJ Dillashaw. <laughs> Look what he did to Hennon Burrell. Look what he did to Cody Garbrandt. He looked unstoppable. I know once he cut down and and to 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 flyweight and whatnot, you know, obviously he he was stopped by Henry Cejudo, but I'm just saying at his natural weight class on EPO, unstoppable. Yeah. Um... That's fantastic too, um, Devison Figueroa. Like very great yeah. answer. Yeah, if he if he was be able to have that cardio benefits from that, fantastic. Um, if you give John Jones anything at this point, any enhances it'd be fantastic for him. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Who? who get, I'm trying to think. Who gets tired yeah. over the course of a fight? Who looks like a world beater? You know who's on EPO two that I just remembered? What is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ali Bagatino. I cut you off and I knew it. Whatever happened to him, man? I just I don't I remember he wasn't going to some. I think he got cut after that. All right, so um, man, because you see some of these guys that are already fantastic, they have, well, people did claim uh, Khabib slows down sometimes, maybe over five rounds. We'll see. We'll see Khabib. Let me let me actually rephrase the question, okay? Yeah. And it's not even rephrasing the question; it's completely turning the question. Oh wait, who would? Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Zabit. <laughs> Zabit. That's a great answer. Yes, we've been we wanted to see him in a five round fight for the longest time to understand how his conditioning is, how his cardio is, and if he continues to fade. Zabit. If he was to be able to perform every single round like he does in the first, yeah, for me, he'd be unstoppable. Yeah, with I totally agree with you. Um, so I'm going to kind of give a different variation of the Got question. It. Who would be unstoppable if you take that fighter and all you do is add Rumble Johnson, Touch of Death, Knockout Power? That's That would be a good question. That's a good question I'm right a, there. I'm going to answer with a couple of guys. John Jones. 
Because John Jones with punching power would be unbelievable. That's the yeah. first guy. And and the next one, I'm gonna I'm instead of just one, I'm gonna give you two. Israel Alasanya, he's able to hit everybody on a whole bunch of different angles. So if he had that kind of stopping power, it'd be fantastic. But also Valentina Shevchenko. My God, imagine <laughs> imagine what she'd be doing to girls if she was. Oh yeah. my God. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you two more answers. Um. The problem with these guys is their striking isn't as yep. crisp, so they don't land as they don't land as much. But Khabib Nurmagomedov, Kamar Usman. You know what's funny about that? I think that it would even be, and for that same reason, like I named guys because they were a high accuracy striker and and the one girl with the high accuracy striker. But just imagine if that was a another dimension to those guys' games who aren't known as strikers. Where not yeah. only do you got to be scared of their nuclear power, yes, but then the takedown and everything else that comes with that would be insane. Imagine Khabib shutting people's lights off like that, but then turn, turn around and hype, hump you for five rounds, submit you whenever Better he yet, <laughs> his ground and pound, if he had that type of power, his ground and pound would kill My people. My God. Man, you know what? Um, There's a name that we should have mentioned. Imagine Rumble on uh, EPO. Very true. <laughs> and hold on. Back to the power question, Max Holloway. Oh, God. <laughs> Yes. Imagine if you took Max Holloway and gave him Rumble Johnson. Oh, well, then you're going to turn around and we're going to have to see our first death in the octagon because that would be real bad. Oh, my God. Um, so here's the next question. This one's specifically geared towards yep. you. This is the one I was prepared for. He said, last time I heard Sully say Jones will nerf Adesanya striking due to the wrestling threat. Can you elaborate more? I want a better understanding. You know. So, Sully, take it away. Um. Okay, so I alluded to earlier, you know, I say. Sometimes us as fans, just us as people in general, we see just because someone can do something, we fall into the trap of thinking that that's the way that the fight's gonna play out. Like we, it's, we example, we do it with Jose all the time. Jose Aldo all the time. Oh, uh, you know them devastating leg kicks. Like maybe he's gonna spam them. Then the fight comes and he's not spamming the leg kicks. Like he'll throw a few of them, but he's not not the way he used to in his younger younger versions of himself. And it's the same thing with John Jones. I said that the wrestling would nerf, um, would basically nerf Alessandra's striking. And then when Yusuf asked that question, I went back and I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I thought about it. And Jones, this Jones, this version of Jones that we've seen, hasn't even used his wrestling offensively like that to really shut anyone down in a very long time. Now, who's, it's not to say that he cannot do it, but he hasn't done it. Also, if you look at the fights that he's had, because I went back and checked some because of this question. He's fought in ways that have been more conducive to his opponent, their skill set, than his own. So, I think, hypothetically speaking, the threat of the takedown would be... It would be something that... And also the size, because that does come into play. It would be something in a different dimension that Izzy would have to take into account while striking. But then I looked back at some of Izzy's fights... Uh, Yoel Romero was one in particular. And the reason why Yoel didn't just try to spam takedowns was because of the angles that Izzy was moving on and how he was hitting him. Izzy makes it very hard for him for for him to get ta- himself to get taken down. The angles that he uses with those strikes, some of the setups that he uses and the traps that he uses, the different looks, it makes it very, it's like it's very questionable, especially the feints. You know, those little feints, it gets people prepared and they're very careful of um, where the strike is coming from. So I don't know, man. You know, this is the reason why fight talk is fun. 
because there's so many different things you could think of. But I did want to point out because it's something that sometimes I overlook. I think you overlook too sometimes where we'll say this person is supposed to be able to do this, but then we don't see him do it. And there's times where we'll catch ourselves and both of us, we happen to catch ourselves with Justin Gaethje where we were like, everybody keeps talking about this great wrestling, but we never see it. You're, exactly. And yeah, and maybe this was this function of that, you know, um, where I thought that, you know, it because it, hypothetically that should add to the next dimension, right? Like, you know, being able to neutralize the strike because he got to keep his hands down a little lower. He got to stop the shot. To, he, he's not going to want to get taken down. You know, Jones's ground and pound is unbelievable. But then when you look at Jones, how Jones actually fights, he's not even shooting for in for takedowns in the in the way that he uh he could if he wants to. So let me add a little bit more to this question because I think Jones will um beat Adesanya as well. Mm-hmm. And I think even if you know, and I reserve the right to change my mind in the future if this goes down, I think even if John Jones versus Adesanya happened, and it played out strictly on the feet. I would pick John Ooh. Jones. Like if you told me, I think Jones' Ooh. distance management, his unique selection of shots—he's throwing all different types of combinations, um, different angles, leg kicks, you know, elbows, standing elbows, um, combined with the with the slight threat of the takedown, combined combined with the size advantage, um, being able to potentially clinch him, dirty boxing. Um, I just don't see Adesanya stopping him, and uh, I, I just think John Jones wins that fight, and even if it's contested on the feet. But I know if Jones, let's say Jones starts getting yeah. lit up, I know he will. He, he's he's smart enough to yeah. know he has a high fight IQ. And when he's challenged these guys at their strength, um, and it hasn't ever happened, but if he starts to get the worst end of that, you know, he's going to go what. He's going to go with what's going to win him the fight. You know what I mean? So if he tries to strike with Izzy and Izzy starts landing on him, Jones is going to push him against the cage, attempt to take him down, and I think eventually he will be successful in doing that. Um, I think it's in Izzy's best interest at this point in time to avoid the fight. Maybe in the future catch John Jones a year or two down the line, and maybe after he's taken some damage to some crazy heavyweight battles. Um, if, if I'm in Izzy's corner, that's what I'm telling him to do. True, and I, I don't – look, my whole thing with that is is just – the, the, it it comes to a point in time where I don't think Izzy would stop Jones, but similar to the Alexander Gustafson situation, um, you can't get too far behind on the cards or have perception that you have you're too far behind on the cards, because in Jones's you very unique situation, anyone that has any relative success against him, the success is over always overstated because. People aren't used to seeing him in those positions. So if Izzy comes, and even if he's beating Izzy in the striking game, but it's it's competitive, you'll see more people favoring what Izzy is doing versus what John Jones is doing, like the perception of it. And it just makes it dangerous. Also, um, I don't know, man. Jones is a prideful guy. I think he would try to mix it in, but I don't know how much he would um he would say, you know, I'm gonna go out there and uh, just try to take him down. He's a super prideful guy. It was one of because this was a question mark we had against Jones and Rumble, and we had that question: Would Jones go out there? I'm and sad one, we never got to yeah, see that. Yeah, would he fight. go out there and would he take down Rumble? Or would he strike with him? So 
I don't know. These are just fun fights. Um, nothing that we say is fact. Nothing that anybody comments on these videos or any other videos is facts. But it's just food for thought for all of us. It makes all of us become better and more educated fans when we have these discussions. And I think that's the reason why just doing this and being involved in any kind of community is fun. Because we can always learn from somebody else, you know, and that's great. So I, I don't know. It's yet to be seen. We'll have to we'll have to see these fight play out. But it's really fun to think about, you know, super fun to think. That's about. one. We, that's one we might be talking about for years. It may never happen. You know, it might yeah. be one of those ones. Oh, who do you think would have won exactly. back in their prime? Yeah. Um, last question. And I'll like I'll let you handle this question. Does Megan have a chance against Nunes? I feel only a puncher's chance. I can't visualize her winning. Yeah, um, so everyone always has a chance. Um, I put her at the, you know, the least amount possible. Um, Amanda, something Amanda would have to come out there, slip on a banana peel, and then, you know. <laughs> you stuck my line. Yeah, whatever happens to her, she gets taken advantage of. But um, I think, you know. If they fight ninety nine uh, hundred times, uh, Mandy Nunes is gonna win ninety nine times. So, I think if they fight two hundred times, Amanda Nunes wins all two hundred yeah, times. So it's just, um, I think you take Amanda Nunes on her bet on her worst day and put her against Megan Anderson on her best day, and I think Amanda Nunes comes out victorious. And that's how confident I am. And in I, that. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that. I just. I just wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, Manny Nunes slip on a banana peel or something and then something freaky happens. Weird weird referee yeah, stoppage. Yeah, weird referee stoppage, you know, or or where um the you know the John Jones toe situation, I think what was that against Chell? And then yep. he would have lost if it wouldn't have been stopped in the first yeah, round. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's something funky could always happen, but I don't think uh Megan Anderson has any any chance. I think she's gonna get wrecked. I think it's gonna be a bloodbath. And you know, here's the here's the crazy part. And if it isn't, a lot of people won't be satisfied with uh, Amanda Nunes' performance. Oh no yeah. way, no way. She's gonna get criticized yeah. for it. Um, I think that does it for this podcast. You, did you have any other pressing things you wanted to bring up before we end this? No, man. I just wanted to shout out once again to the listeners. You know, we notice you guys are paying attention and really enjoying these things. This podcast in general. This is my favorite video of the week to do. So I appreciate that. I appreciate those of you that's taken the time to write comments very recently, um, ask these questions and everything else. It honestly makes us feel great as a team that, you know, what we're doing, if it just adds just a few minutes of amusement to somebody else's lives, then it's all worth it. You know, so it's fantastic. I really enjoy this. I'm actually having a lot of fun. These videos, man, they give me something real productive to do and they're real fun. So I like it. I, I agree with you. Um, so anybody, leave a comment down below about anything we talked about today. Give us your thoughts on it. Um, if you enjoyed the video, make sure to like it. And thank you so much for watching. Boom, stop it. And you can stop your audacity, too.